You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 27. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to The Lively Show live from Austin. Thank you guys so much for your patience last week as I took a little bit of time off in order to get settled in here in my new home that we're renting here in Hyde Park in Austin. We are loving it, by the way, guys. We are so happy. We magically have assimilated to the heat, which is no joke, but really we just are enjoying it so much. Even Franklin is getting into the heat and we're having a blast here. We're so much more peaceful and really, really grateful that this has all worked out as it has. In addition, I know I mentioned a little while ago that I'd like to have a meetup here in Austin to meet some of the readers and listeners that are here that have been giving me these amazing tips and advice this whole time. We've been able to go to all the awesome restaurants because of all of the suggestions that you guys have shared. So if you're in the Texas area or specifically Austin and you want to come to the meetup, it will be next Wednesday, August 20th at 7 p.m. Again, if you're interested, it'll be next Wednesday, August 20th at 7 p.m. Please email me at jess at with-intention.com if you'd like to come, and I'll give you the details more specifically about location. I think it's going to be somewhere near Hyde Park or the North Loop area. In today's show, we're going to be talking with Katherine Jackson of protectyourpumps.com and essentiallymint.com. Catherine is a friend of mine who I met initially through Business in the City and as a business client, but over the years, we became good friends, and I'm so happy to have her on the show to be talking about what we're covering today. In the show, Catherine's going to talk about how her finance and accounting career then led to her law degree and eventually took a huge turn into retail, and that retail experience later sparked her first business, protectyourpumps.com. In addition, she's going to share her tips for PR because she's had some major publications, including the Today Show and Shape Magazine, feature her awesome product. In addition, she's going to talk about how she and her mother have actually started a mother-daughter business called Essentially Mint, featuring organic and natural products. We're going to talk about the structure they have set up for themselves, as well as what she recommends for other people who are thinking about working with a partner or family member. And for those who aren't into business, don't worry. This episode is not completely business, I promise. So around the 12 minute and 40 second mark, there's going to be a really great conversation about natural products and how we can incorporate those into our daily lives one easy step at a time. And we're going to have a huge conversation around the 23 minute Mark, It's not going to be exactly that because I'm adding this intro in, but around there, we're going to be talking about how to avoid online overwhelm. I call it e-brain, and you'll see why when we get to that part. So feel free to jump ahead if you're not into business. Just go there. That conversation is so worth listening to. We talk about what it's like when you get so trapped into consuming content, social media or otherwise, online that we start to disconnect from our real lives in the present moment. So we're going to talk about ways that we have struggled with it and also ways that we have overcome it. And last but not least, at the end, you may hear some little barks from Franklin. I'm sorry about that. We 
had him out in the house hoping that he would not uh, find anything to bark at with the blinds down, but somehow he did. So I'm sorry about that if you hear it. I tried to, you know, edit it out as much as possible. Let's go to the show. Thank you, Catherine, for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you today. I know, I know. So, okay, let's give everyone a background about yourself and how you got to where you are. So I'm originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, grew up in the Midwest, and I went to college, a small college, Tuskegee University in Alabama. And when I was in college, I studied finance and accounting. And I just kind of picked that major because I liked numbers and it seemed like a logical fit. And after college, I got a job working as a tax accountant in for this big insurance company. And I was just so excited. I thought this was going to be great. Everyone was telling me how I just got the best job ever. And it was just dreadful. I, after a month, I was like, this is not for me. I didn't like the cubicle life. Um, I never really saw anyone. So I knew that I needed to do something different. I just didn't know what it was going to be. So after a, a year of being in that job as an accountant, I went to law school. So I went to law school at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and I studied just kind of general law. Law school was really different from undergrad, just the way that you study, the way you learn, the atmosphere. And it was okay, but I wasn't really feeling it either. So I got an internship my first summer working with a judge, which was unpaid, it was in criminal work. I liked that, but I wasn't sure if that was the space that I wanted to go in, you know, be in the courtroom every day and kind of see all that. It was kind of actually depressing. Really? Yeah. You just imagine being in court all day. Every day is like some crazy dramatic thing happening. And it was juvenile court. So you see like a lot of young kids who, you know, are making some bad decisions and kind of getting in the system. I just didn't know if that was what I wanted to do for my career fresh out of law school. But it was great experience. And I learned a lot. And the judge that I worked with was really, really cool. But the job was unpaid. So I had to find another job to just help kind of make some money. So I started working at Gap in Madison, Wisconsin. And it was great. I loved interacting with people. I loved the retail. I loved the sales you know, helping people put outfits together, helping women find things that flatter their body. It was just so different from what I was learning in law school, but it felt really, really comfortable. Um, so I did that all throughout law school and I started moving up, got promoted to management, moved to some bigger stores. So I was loving the retail space. So I finished law school and after law school, I moved to Chicago to work at Neiman Marcus. And so that was more luxury, high-end retail. And it was really at the store at Neiman Marcus when my customers were buying all these expensive shoes and they were getting scratched up that I had this aha moment for the first company I started back in 2011, which is Protector Pumps. And ever since there, I've been really building and growing that company. And I recently just started a natural body care company with my mom. So that's kind of career in a nutshell. And so now you're running both businesses at the same time, correct? I am. Yes. Yeah. And you've had some really great success with Protect Your Pumps. I know specifically you were recently on the Today Show, weren't you? Yep. The product was featured on the Today Show 
one of the top 10 products to use in a fashion emergency, which was really, really amazing. Also, Shape Magazine, Refinery29, some other really, really great press features. So that's been great. That's awesome. So I know a lot of people are listeners that have small businesses or want to. So what's your biggest tip there on PR or how you got to those bigger publications? Uh, Well, my tip on PR is to just always pitch, (laughs) keep pitching. And I would say that Unless the PR company you're going to work with has a really good track record, I would stay away, especially when you're first starting up, from hiring a PR company. Just because, especially if money is tight and you don't have the resources, you can do a lot of that on your own. You know, I pitched to the Today Show. I pitched to Shape Magazine. A lot of the features that we got weren't from a PR company. It was just from diligent pitching and following up with those bigger publications. So my thought would just be, especially while you're small, keep it in-house and do it yourself. That would be one tip. And then uh, my other tip is to use PR as a way to help your business, but don't depend on PR. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think that's really smart advice, Catherine. Yes. So when I just say don't depend on PR, some people think, oh, if you get on Oprah, oh, if you get Kim Kardashian to wear your stuff, you're going to make it or that's going to be your golden ticket out. And it really isn't the case. I mean, the Today Show was great and we had a really great day, but you figure the next day they're airing something new on the Today Show. So you have to keep getting press. You know, it's kind of a fleeting thing. You know, you can't look at one thing to make or break your business. That's really smart. One of the things I know you've been killing it at is Instagram and marketing your business through Instagram. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so Instagram has been really, really great for Protect Your Pumps. And I started using it, I want to say, in late 2012. So November of 2012. And a friend of mine was like, Catherine, you need an Instagram? And I was like, no, this is not my thing. I don't want to be just like watching celebrities eat their dinner. I'm not, I don't want to do that. I'm like, this is not going to work for me. She's like, no, it'll be really great for business. So I said, okay, I'll try it. And so then I tried it and I just started posting pictures and kind of figuring out how to play with the hashtags and comment and like on other people's pictures. And I remember I got an order from Qatar and I was like, whoa, what is going on? You know, how did someone find me in Qatar? And I asked the customer how she found out about it. And she said Instagram. And ever since then, I've just been like a maniac at Instagram, <laughs> really using it. <laughs> so what do you do? So tell your system. So, I mean, the one thing is to stay active. Right now, I have interns who run the account. So we are posting at least four to six times a day on Instagram, just relevant shoe, fashion-related posts. But then we also are using hashtags to not only get our posts recognized, but using hashtags to find potential customers. Um, So a lot of people will hashtag based on a a specific designer or whatnot. And so we really use those hashtags to find the people and get in front of them and, and, and let them know about our brand. Okay, so give us an example. Okay, so an example, say someone maybe posts a picture of they just bought a new pair of Jimmy Choo's, right? And they'll say, post a picture, say, hey, I just bought a new pair of Jimmy Choo's. They'll take a picture, hashtag Shoofy, hashtag Jimmy Choo, hashtag fashion. So maybe we search the hashtag Jimmy Choo, we'd find this person's picture and like it 
comment on it maybe hey those are really cute shoes you should check out protector pumps if you want to keep them looking good that is brilliant i have loved that i know you've been doing that for a while now because i remember hearing about that like a year ago yes so we we do that so and 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 i think it's really can be because i'm starting to try to figure out ways to use it for the natural body care company and it's not as much of a shoe in (laughs) no pun intended Yeah, no, no pun intended. Not so much of a shoe-in as, as this one. I mean, this really works well for the social medias with the shoe company, but I still think there's ways to find your target audience on social media because people are so accessible and people are sharing so much. Okay, so what are you doing for the body care? That's a great example that maybe won't be so perfect for this. Right. We make all natural body care products. So there's a whole market of people out there who are really into organic products, not using chemicals. So, you know, right now I'm really trying to tap into that community of people who are really into all natural products and about that, you know, they really are serious about the lifestyle of kind of living chemical free and want products that are handmade products that don't contain any of that junk in them. So right now I'm, I'm really just getting started with the uh, essentially mint Instagram, but posting pictures and things that relate to wellness and all natural living. So our company is essentially mint. So we use a lot of fresh mint in our products. And so we'll post recipes for different type of like I posted a recipe last week about a mint mango smoothie and so different things that maybe we don't sell a mint mango smoothie but we're letting people know about how to use mint how it is really beneficial some of the health benefits around mint it's really about holistic natural living with a focus on mint so posting pictures that relate to that and then also trying to engage that community who's into organic and natural products. Tell us the story about how you started working with your mom, because I think that that is really special and awesome, but not something you hear every day. Yeah, so my mom, really, she kind of kicked it off, and she really got interested into herbal remedies, started taking a lot of classes, started making her own teas. I mean, she was really into it. Like she had books all over her house and was going to classes about how to make your own products. And so she really got into the whole all natural thing. And of course, we spent a lot of time together and are really close. And so a lot of that kind of started to rub off, thankfully, on me and wanting to just make some better decisions and be more informed about what we're consuming because I've always kind of thought about what you eat and dieting as a cosmetic, looking at it as a cosmetic thing, like, oh, I want to lose weight or whatever. But I've really started to transition um, to be more mindful about what ingredients are actually in the products that I'm not only consuming and eating, but putting on my skin, putting on my hair, putting all over, um, and just really trying to be mindful about what's in stuff, how it was processed, um, you know, because I want to live a long time. What sparked it for your mom? Is there any one thing that happened that made her interested in this? I don't know. I don't know. I, I really think she just wanted to 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 explore other remedies and since then she's become so into it she's incredibly knowledgeable about different herbs she's i tell her she's like a hardcore herbalist right now if i go to her house there's always fresh lavender this fresh this fresh that and she's telling me what is good for you so 
I'm not sure, but we're kind of on this journey together of taking better care of ourselves. And the products are really just a great way to use natural products to help promote healthy skin and kind of healthy living. That's awesome. So if there's one thing, one easy thing that we as listeners could do in our lives to make a healthy switch, it doesn't even have to involve buying a specific product, but what one natural thing could we be doing that would help us? I think that looking at things from a more holistic approach, especially with eating, I, I just was reading something that food should be for fuel, right? So we should feel good after we eat and we shouldn't be putting things in our body that are kind of weighing us down or making us feel like we're dragging. And so there's sometimes you eat stuff and you feel really sleepy and people think, oh, that's how it's supposed to be. But really, you're supposed to eat to get energy. So I would say just be mindful about what you're consuming. I mean, I think food is a good way to start because sometimes the whole I'm going to be all natural is like really overwhelming, you know. Like I haven't gone full throttle. Like I haven't, every single product in my house isn't natural, but it'll be a process, you know, and really just being mindful, reading labels. Can you pronounce this stuff? Looking it up. What is it before we just consume everything? So what's it been like working with your mom? It's been fun. Honestly, we are having a ball and so far so good. So we're only a few months in. We'll see. Ask me maybe in about six months, (laughs) but so far it's really good. I mean, we both bring something different to the table. I have some business experience and my mom is really into the products and really into um, just like kind of the whole lifestyle. So we kind of learn from each other and she's not really salesy. I don't I wouldn't say I'm she thinks I'm like a crazy salesperson when I go. When we go to the markets, I'm always the one trying to close the deal or something. And my mom's just like, ah, oh, you know, with a smile on her face. <laughs> She's just a founder story. She's like the, the one that gets to live the lifestyle and you get to sell it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so we balance each other out. You know, with my first company, I went at it alone. And, it, you know, it can kind of get kind of lonely and you don't have anyone to bounce ideas off of. So right now we're just kind of sharing each other's energy, which so far has been really great. Have you seen the movie Chef? I haven't. No. What's it about? It's a really cute story. Mr. Lively and I just saw it this weekend because our friend Meg of Meg Main Designs in Chicago shared it with me. She said she laughed, she cried. So I knew I needed to go see it. It It's so cute. But basically, it was his 10-year-old son and his father, who's a famous chef. The chef for a lot of random situations play out and he ends up losing his job. So he starts a food truck and the son goes on this road trip with him in the truck and he's 10 years old, but he knows how to use Twitter and he basically markets this food truck for his father. And his father is like kind of like completely oblivious, doesn't even know really what the 10 year old's doing, but the kid's really making this huge success out of this food truck. And it sounds like you and your mom only obviously you're not a 10 year old boy, but you understand the business side of things and are like getting into what your mom is like passionate about. And there your mom's the one, you know, driving all of the, the product and the, the inspiration and the passion for the areas and markets you're going into. And I think because a lot of times and we haven't really crossed this line where it's gotten fuzzy or anything yet. But a lot of times people say business should be business and personal should be personal. I find that often difficult because a lot of times in business, you do need some type of personal relationship, some type of connection. You don't want to just do business with a stranger, someone you have no, you know, you don't know anything about them. You don't have a connection to them. So it's great because my mom and I obviously have a relationship that's rooted in love, that's been that way since I was born. 
And we're just really having fun with the business. We're not just coming at it as two strangers with an idea trying to make it work for business. Genuinely love each other. We genuinely have respect for each other. So it seems to make the working relationship a lot better. Yeah, I think that there could be any partnership, whether it's with someone you know in your family or someone you don't know, could be good or bad. And there's a lot of factors in there that can make it so. So it's not specifically whether you know the person or don't know the person that will make it a good or bad situation. Right. So what would you recommend for people who are thinking about working with a partner that they know or are friends with or someone who's a family member? Yeah, I mean, I would say go for it if you guys can kind of get on the same page and are aligned. Um, you know, you don't want a business deal to, to ruin a really great friendship or a relationship. And sometimes things can get kind of crazy in business. So I would say you guys need to just really have a sit down and make sure you're on the same page, what you want. You guys are going going in the same direction. You don't want to be one person's thinking the company's going to do this and the other person, you know, wants to do something totally different. And then there's this constant tension all the time. You just want to make sure you guys are moving as one unit in the business. Obviously, both bringing something different to the table, but moving as a one business unit. Do you think that it's important for people to write things down and have some kind of agreement at the start? Oh, absolutely. Did you guys do that? With- yeah, we did do that. We did do that. And, and you know, it was great. I've, I've done that really moving forward, like in every relationship, business relationship that I've entered into with someone. Oh, yeah, you're a lawyer. Of course, you've done yeah. that. <laughs> sure. Yes, because, you know, you just want to have something to refer to. And even if you don't ever use the contract, it's just it's really good to have. So I would always suggest putting things in writing. One of my suggestions when I did the business consulting back in the day with partnerships was also to have I actually was an RA and we did this with their students too, with the roommates, but basically have a monthly check in with each other and have it set up on a regular basis so that it's not coming out of the blue so that you guys can regularly check in and air any issues that might be coming up that might not be huge issues that haven't exploded yet, but just might be a possible problem. That way, it's expected that you guys are going to have these regular check-ins. It's not just going to ambush someone out of the blue, but you do feel that safety to be able to bring up things that are kind of cropping up that might be problems down the road. Yes, I love that. And also, I would just say with any endeavor that you have, you have to really make the decision if you want it to be a hobby or a business. If you want it to be a business, then you have to have things in place (laughs) that is a business. You know, you have to have financial record. You have to keep books. You have to have contracts or else it'll forever run like kind of like a hobby. So keep that in mind, because I think a lot of times people think, oh, well, just kind of do this. We're having fun. And I think that that's fine to a certain extent. But if you want to actually be in business and have a business, there's things that just need to be there and they need to be in place. Yeah. Can you give an example of something you and your mom have done that makes it a business and not a hobby? I mean, we keep records. I think records, a lot of times people are like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how I did or I went to this fair and I didn't know how I did. So there was one fair that we were going to and we really just weren't getting the return. This the market didn't have the traffic. And so we just sat down, we looked at the numbers and said, this isn't working. We need to explore some other options in the city. And so we um, have been now doing another market that we do every Saturday, which has just been a lot better for us. And if we would have just kind of stayed at the first one and said, oh, well, this is okay. We're making our money back 
plus a little more, then it would have just gone on being a summer of making no money, you know, <laughs> you know and just kind of out there. And, and, and when you do markets or you do fairs, you have to look at all the costs that are associated with, you know, the time that it takes to make and put your product together and set up and all that, all that has to be factored in. And so if you're losing money, it's not a smart business decision to just stay there, you know? So we found a better fit for the business. That's great. Okay, so switching gears a little bit, let's talk about being mindful with the online versus offline. I know this is something that you've been working on yourself. Why don't you share a little bit about why this has been on your mind lately? Well, I was like becoming a slave to the internet, Jess. (laughs) (laughs) That Instagram feed just is roping you in? I mean, yes. You want to be on Instagram for, say, I'm going to do it for 30 minutes. And next thing you know, it's three hours later. And you're looking at Beyonce and Blue Ivy on the beach. You know, it's like, (laughs) and where did your day go? So I was spending so much time doing things that weren't productive because you're just, it's overload. I mean, it's need, we need a new word. Overload just doesn't even sometimes describe how the internet can be. And it's a great tool, but if you're not using it effectively, it could be really detrimental. And I was kind of borderline getting in that space of not using it really effective. What did that look like? Just if you could be honest and share, like, what was it like at that point? That looks like, that looks like days of being unproductive. Whole days. Yes. Full days of being unproductive. Or maybe you'll have a little bit of productivity in there, but just so much time wasted. Not only time wasted, but sometimes you're taking in so much outside content that it starts to make your goals, your vision, what you want to do blurry. Say that again and explain why. I love that. So say you, you, you wake up and you have this vision. This is what I'm going to do today. Or, you know, and we can talk about it from a daily, but even on just maybe a life or a yearly perspective, I want to get this done. These are my goals. And then you start getting on social you're reading blogs and you're saying, oh, well, that company did it like that or that person did it like that. That seemed, I should maybe change mine. And yeah, we can always use resources and get advice and help from other people. But sometimes it just crosses the line where you're no longer in tune with your own thoughts and you're more in tune with what the world is saying. And that that is the scary place. Yeah, when you're not following your intuition about your own business. Right. Own business, own life, you know, because social, it goes beyond business. And I really say, oh, I'm going to only use social for business. But I would be lying if I would say that all my social time I spend on social social media sites is for business alone. I mean, that's just not true. You know, a lot of times I'm not conducting anything that's related to my business. So, you know, just getting back to the purpose of why you're using these tools. Have there been any resources that have been helpful? I know we're talking about the overload of resources right now, but. What has been really helpful? Let's think. I have like no phone, no internet zones and times that are blocked throughout the day where I just don't check it. That might be my creative time, either working on some content or just kind of drumming up some ideas. Just anything that doesn't involve looking at anything online. And I think those times throughout the day are really crucial because it's just going to help you kind of clear and de-junk, get quiet a little bit. 
which is sometimes what you need for clarity is just quiet. Also, one thing that I really started doing was not using social after a certain time. You know, I don't want to go to bed next to my Instagram feed. And then the first thing I do is wake up. So, you know, before, while I wake up, you know, maybe I go for a run. Maybe I do a meditation, a prayer before I even get into my day, before I even power up my laptop and look at my feed or anything going on. Just set up how I want my day to look. That's awesome. So tell me about your zones. Oh, my zones is more, well, time zones. Um, And then also like when I spend time outside, you know, if I'm outside going for a walk at the park, doing whatever, it's just really, it's got to be a no internet, no phone zone because it starts to take away from, A, the beauty of things. This is summer in the Midwest. You know, we only get a few good months out of (laughs) I don't need to spend the few months that we have where the weather is is decent scrolling up on my phone all day, you know. So especially when I'm doing things with friends, with family, those are definitely no phone, no computer zones. And then just blocks of time. Like I said, that first little bit, couple hours before I wake up, I don't even power my laptop on. It's just really like this morning I went for a run and then... You know, I made breakfast, I did a little reading, and then I got into my day. That's beautiful. That's a private victory. Yes. That's what I always tell people to try. Yeah, like an hour a day, something mental, spiritual, and physical. Try to do the combination of that in one hour at the beginning of your day. It doesn't have to be in the beginning, but it's so powerful if you can do it in the beginning. We're all guilty of it. But if you roll over and say you keep your phone, there's this one thing I wrote about getting an alarm clock, how crucial it is to have an alarm clock and not one on your phone just a real alarm clock. that's what we had to do too it was a search we wanted to find the perfect alarm clock <laughs> a real old school yes. alarm clock because when it's on your phone and then you do it off you are could be still in bed you haven't even you know fully <laughs> you haven't even fully got you haven't seen the sunlight yet and you are in Instagram scene. You've already seen Beyonce on the beach. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's just, it's not good. We have to really start to, you know, do better. So those are just some personal changes that, that I made. And, and, you know, also blocking the day a little bit better because I was like scattered for a while just with business and with my business being on the internet. Sometimes I just felt like the day was one big blob, you know? Yes, I do. I do. I had to stop doing my email at night and on weekends because otherwise I was realizing I work for myself. This is a few years ago and I love what I do. So how come I'm not loving what I do? (laughs) And I realized I was like, I only work like 40, 50 hours a week because I would work, you know, when Mr. Lively was at work. So I had this kind of and I always had worked that general 40, 50 hour schedule. And I realized I was working, I think, 144 hours a week, actually, because when you counted how my inbox is my tether to my income and to anything business related, whenever I'm checking that inbox, I'm essentially working. I don't have an inbox that's completely personal only. I have two inboxes, one's kind of personal and one's completely business, but both of them is basically working. So I had to finally stop checking email on nights and on weekends in order to take back and like enjoy my life because otherwise I didn't have a life. I just had my business. 
Gary Vaynerchuk, I was watching something he did a couple weeks ago, and he said, do you remember when email was cool? Like, when we liked email, when it was like, hey, someone sent me an email, this is so cool. (laughs) Now, emails, like, become the dread of the day sometimes, you know? It's like, oh, I have to do my emails, or don't let them get backed up. (laughs) And then it's just, like, going, going through your email. Those things, like, checking email or tasks like that, they cannot they cannot span over the entire day or you will absolutely without fail be unproductive. Yep. I know. I still fall into it. Here's what I've basically noticed for myself. And I think this goes along perfectly. I've had to label it because when you can label something, it's not to give us more boxes. But when you can label something, you can identify it. So I've started realizing that when I was living online during my day versus living in my real life during my workday, I called the feeling of like, I got to check, I got to keep like looking at my social or looking at the email or whatever to see what feedback I'm getting immediately, constantly. I call that e-brain. And it's like this feeling and it's just a label just so I can notice and go, am I, you know, living in the e-brain right now, which is like email, online kind of e-brain. Am I living in that place? Am I living my day for the online connection or am I connecting in my real life and the work that I'm doing right here and in reality here? But it's hard. For example, I wrote a post about moving tips for the blog this week and that took me all of Monday. My entire day on Monday was basically writing this post. So I put a ton of time into that post to make it as helpful as possible. So when I launched it this morning, because we're taping on Tuesday, I really, really wanted to get the feedback and to see what people are, you know, appreciating about it and et cetera. And just kind of checking in with people for like the next hour and a half. I had this buzz, this high from, you know, getting to release this thing I work so hard on. But then I was e-braining like hardcore. Like I wasn't even like able to really move on with my day because I was so attached to connecting with people about this thing I work so hard on. And I had to actually put a timer on for 30 minutes to say, okay, check out of it, kind of decompress, <laughs> like you are mentioning, put the timer on and make a zone of like 30 minutes where I'm just going to get ready and move on with my day now without being attached in order to build some of that distance between my addiction or that that rush to go online versus living and getting on with other things that needed to be done. Yes. And I think that we, like, I'm totally guilty of it. I'm not, I'm, I'm not cured for- you get e-brain too? <laughs> yes, I'm not cured from e-brain at all. Like, I get it. And I also think that since our businesses are online, to some degree, we have to kind of be in that space. I just think it gets it gets really tricky when it just is all the time we're constantly in that space. Yes. You know? Yes. You know, one of the things that's helped me recently, and I shared this a few weeks ago on the blog, and it's really been helpful, is instead of trying, because a lot of people will say, only check your email like two or three times a day. I myself, like in the years, have tried to do the same. But really, it just is super hard to do. Not that it's impossible or it's not a great idea, but what I've recently started doing, and it's been a lot more helpful, is to make three big rocks, to make three big things. I'll I'll share a link to this post that explains this, but to pick three big things I want to accomplish today and put those at the forefront and keep my focus on those big things I want done. And then let the email checking kind of fall where it may, but not at the expense of the three big rocks. And the other thing that I do in order to make sure those rocks get done and they're focused on is do exactly what you shared, which is about that time zone. For me, I found that 90 minutes, I read this in The Power of Full Engagement, which is a great book about productivity and 
optimizing our energy and our output in work or in life. And they talked about the power of being completely engaged because they did a lot of research with athletics and how athletes perform best and how we as people working can also use the same principles. So 90 minutes for me on completely focused, but I put a timer on on my phone and it's near me and I work. And when that timer goes on, it somehow it's like almost like a horse with the blinders. It helps me shut the e-brain down when I know their timer's on because at the end of that 90 minutes, and you can make this any interval you want, it doesn't have to be 90, but at the end of it, I allow myself 30 minutes to do e-brain stuff or something completely unrelated to whatever work I was doing. So those big boulders, those big rocks I have each day get done during 90 minute chunks. And then I have these little breaks for 30 minutes to get other things done and alternating on and off that way helps me get way more done without having to like beat myself up for the number of times I check my email, but I still get stuff done with relatively small amounts of e-brain time as well. Yes, I love that. I think that's great. And I think allowing yourselves to have break is so, so, so crucial. I love that. And having the break not be social media. Yes. Right? If we could do it. I, I'm saying this to myself right now as well as to you and anyone listening, because I know myself, I like the reward to be social media. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Right. But we should also challenge ourselves to go outside of just doing that. I think that there's a lot of huge inspiration we can be getting by engaging in things completely unrelated to what we see on a screen. Absolutely. And and you think about the connections that you make with people. I mean, I've made some really great connections on the web, but there is nothing like face-to-face interaction or talking to someone on the phone or, I mean, it just, it's, it's just different. So yeah, you can make great connections on the web. And I, I mean, obviously we both have been doing it for, for a while now, but sometimes you kind of got to get offline too and, and talk to people or you'll just start to like feel like you're going a little nuts I think <laughs> I agree I know Mr. Lively always uh would say during the blizzards when I wouldn't leave the house in Chicago and he'd come home from work and I just like jump on him I'd be like oh my gosh like I need to talk to you <laughs> like crazy because I hadn't had any real human interaction throughout that day even though I was essentially talking to people all day online right yes humans we're not meant to be isolated And even though we kind of connect with people on the web, it still can be a bit isolating, you know, when you're just kind of on your computer, typing, writing, you know, maybe tweeting out to people. You figure people who are not entrepreneurs who work from home or from like a small office, they have so much interaction with people working with a team or things on a daily that we're just not getting that we have to make sure that we still get because it's just incredibly necessary. Yeah, actually. So this is something a few years ago, Kim Vargo of Yellow Brick Home and I did. She's actually on one of the episodes early on in the Lively Show too. She and I working from home decided to become home workers together. Instead of co-workers, we would work from home one day a week together. So we'd have that interaction, even though we were working on our own separate businesses. And it was really wonderful. It didn't end up working for the long term because of her move and stuff. But for a while, it was a really awesome way. And it's something anyone working from home could probably find a friend if they have one, or someone even that has a regular job that works from home. And you know, now I guess Mr. Lively is technically my home worker <laughs> with me because he's working from home now for his job. So I guess we kind of have that too as of this week as we're starting off in Austin. Yes, I love it. Home worker. That's great. 
And you have your mom now to help you as well. I do. Yes. So I love homework. I love the idea of having a homeworker. That's that's great. Yeah. Any other tips on the whole being more mindful with the online versus offline? I mean, I think that's pretty much it. I think you kind of hit on it a little bit, but with with the checking, I, I think I told you this, but I had become a bit obsessed with checking things, checking not only my email, but checking my sales, checking my checking my Google analytics, how much traffic did I get? Check, 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 check. All that time checking could be spent doing something that's going to drive traffic and drive sales because checking is not driving traffic or driving sales. It's looking in the past, really. It's not creating anything in the future. Right. And unless you're creating a report from it, which isn't something you probably should do every day anyway, unless you're creating some type of actual hardcore numbers reports, this was our traffic, this was our sales last month, this is where people came from, to look at data and make business decisions, the whole activity of checking is just kind of wasteful. You think you're doing something, but you're not really. And the thing is, we're getting a serotonin boost whenever we check something. So we feel really accomplished by doing it. We get this little serotonin boost in our brains that makes us have this sense of accomplishment, even though nothing's really happening, which is why it's so addictive. It's something to be aware of so that we can actually separate what feels productive and what actually is really productive. Yes. And I think my last my last tip would just be if you're taking in a lot of content, reading blogs, whatnot, I would say read books too and kind of have a bit of a balance. I mean, I do read some blog posts occasionally, but I like to read books a lot too. And that helps me take me off online for a while and just kind of be offline. And even though you're taking in content, it's in a different form than reading a blog post online. I, f- I find myself that I can just kind of zone out and be really with my whatever book that I'm reading versus a blog post is t- too easy to get distracted and go on here and then click to a link that they link to. And next thing you know, you're in eBrain. What books do you love? Well, I just finished Greatest Salesman of the World. Have you read that book? No. What is it about? Oh, it's it's kind of like The Alchemist, like an old fable. It's a great book. You should really check it out. Yes, I cannot recommend this. Like, it's and it's not just about sales, but it's it's just about life. It's a really, really good book. I'm trying to think what else have I read lately. I'm reading this book, What Makes the Great Great, by Dennis Kimbrough. I read a lot of business books and about successful people in business, but then I also just like to read. I actually haven't been reading that much fiction, so. If you have any good recommends for fiction, sometimes I find like I only read business books. I'm reading The Obstacle is the Way right now, which is really good. It's about turning challenges into opportunities and how over time, like since the Greek philosophers, basically, people have been doing that and how we in today's day and age can also use the same principles. Then other than that, people know from my Jessica Merchant interview, I'm reading The Cat Who Books, which is this funny uh, fiction series that I read in high school and <laughs> I'm rereading it again. Oh, nice. It's nice to close the night out. So what doubts or resistance have you had to face in your career or life? Um, definitely in business. Um, a lot of people say, well, what have you been your biggest barriers? And really, I think all the barriers I've kind of are mentally I've put myself and maybe talked myself out. Oh, I can't do this. Or, oh, 
I'm not big enough to be able to, to do this or I need to look a certain way or my business needs to look a certain way. I think a lot of that has been mentally created. Is there any one specific one that kind of bothered you and you had to get over? Uh, I think I I do this all the time. I mean, sometimes I'll think, oh, I shouldn't pitch to them. They're too big or something, you know, or that's too far out of my league for the company. That's too big. And so sometimes I have to really have pep talks with myself like, come on, Catherine, you know, <laughs> you, you can do this. You're great. The company's great. People love the product. Pitch it, put it out there. But sometimes things that look so big seem seem unattainable. And I really think that's just a mental block that I put on myself a lot of times with reaching out to people and or getting the product in people's hands. I kind of put mental blocks up. Yeah, so that's something that I'm always constantly working on. I think when I made the decision to leave law school, and obviously I finished and graduated, but not practice law, a lot of people were like, that's really stupid. You're going to work at Neiman Marcus doing sales and you have a law degree. But a lot of times we just have to really listen to what's going on with ourselves and and not putting ourselves in, in a box. So because I have a degree, because I studied this, I have to do this type of work. Really just being intentional and listening to what it is that you want to do and not so much what might seem or look right. Yeah. Did you actually feel in your gut that that was the right thing to do? Yeah, because I loved it. Like, I really loved it. And some of my friends were going to legal jobs that they didn't either didn't like or people were people were graduating from law school. And let me tell you, when I graduated from law school in 2011, the job market was terrible. I mean, half of the people who we graduated with didn't have jobs. So people were just like, I'm only taking a legal job in this area of study because that's what I studied. And I'd be like, that doesn't make any sense, you know? Like, don't you have bills? Or <laughs> how are you just waiting for this one job, like this this one job just because you studied it? Or it might seem like it's the right thing. It's the only, only thing you think you're going to want to do. And then a lot of people get in those positions and aren't really satisfied. I found that a lot of the people that I went to law school with just didn't allow room for creativity or flexibility in in their careers. And I think that we don't have to be in these rigid situations where things have to look a certain way. That's so smart. And honestly, when you think about your Neiman Marcus experience, it sparked Protect Your Pumps, which later led to Essentially Mint. Absolutely. Yeah. So it all works together. I could be in some uh, corporate law office just banging my head against the wall every day. <laughs> some people things work for them and it doesn't work for other people. That type of environment, corporate type thing, I've tried it and it just doesn't work for me. And more power to the people that it does work for. Yeah, it's not to say anything against law or anything else. It's about finding the right fit for you. Absolutely. And I mean, a lot of people I know who are in law jobs that they love, you know, for me, it wasn't my thing. I just need some room to be more creative and kind of have flexibility that some of the legal careers wouldn't really allow me to have. That's awesome. So what would you tell someone who's just starting out on this journey? I would say just really, really believe in yourself and really take the time to build up the confidence and to to know that you are great and can do great things. 
And and when the doubt kicks in, just keep pushing forward. Don't let the doubt stop you in your tracks because doubt, I think for all of us is inevitable. Just moving forward, I say just 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 keep moving forward. I think you gave me a picture that says, "Oh, it's actually on my wall. I just looked over. It says just keep going." I have it on everything. <laughs> just keep going. I mean, it sounds simple. Is that's it. That just keep going. I mean, the difference between the people who win at this type of stuff and the people who lose is the people just kept playing until they till they got a win. Yeah, that's it. That's a good one, Catherine. That's going in the tweet. That's a tweetable. (laughs) The only difference between the winners and the losers is the winners just didn't give up. They just kept going till they got one win. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you, Catherine, so much for coming on the show. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I really appreciate it. That was an awesome show. Thank you so much, Catherine, for coming on and chatting with me. And thank you for listening. If you would like to send Catherine a message, hop over to Twitter. Her handle is at protect underscore pumps. Thank you so much. And I'll see you guys next week. 